right, church. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Yes. Amen, amen, amen. So uh, before we start, uh, our call to worship is going to be out of Psalm 7. And it says, we'll read it together in a minute, but it says, I will praise the Lord according, accordingly to His righteousness. We will praise the Lord accordingly. And to me, that means with the same response of joy, with the same response of thankfulness, with the same response of love for Him and what He did. According to what He did for us, could we worship like that this morning? Come on, church. Could we worship like that this morning? Can we actually worship like we believe He did what He did? Amen? Can we worship this morning like we believe He is who He says He is and He will do what He says He will do? Because that's a word for me this morning. Because I need to encourage myself just to worship this morning because of who He is, what He's done, His goodness, His faithfulness. Amen? Amen. Well, stand with me. We're going to say this together on the count of three, and then we're going to just enter into His worship. Amen? Worshiping Him. It's about His presence this morning. Just resting in His presence, being in His presence. And I truly believe when we are, the lost are saved, the sick are healed, lives are transformed, families begin to thrive, because in His presence is heaven, amen? In His presence is heaven. We talk about heaven on earth, but the only way that's even feasible or possible is when we're in His presence, because this world has nothing to offer that can do any of those things that I listed, but Him and Him alone, amen? So let's say this together, one, two, three. Will praise the Lord according to his righteousness. And I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Let's worship him this morning, guys. We're going to come to the table of the Lord this morning. And um, we do that to remember and to repent and to rejoice. Right? Um, as you come to the, As you come to receive your elements... Um, if you're in the back section of these two areas, you're going to go down the center aisle and then circle back around to your seats. These two front tables are for the side sections in the front areas here, and you'll come down the side aisles one way and then circle back to your seats. Um, in this way, we'll be able to give each other space. Um, it's a two-cup system, so you're going you're gonna, to um, only have to pick up one thing, and it's a double cup with the cracker in the bottom and the juice on top. So in that way, um, you guys can move to come to the table and receive the elements, and you'll hold on to them. And then we'll come back up, and we'll partake of communion together. So you guys can go ahead and move to get your elements. I felt led to read from Psalm 51. Yes, I have a bookmark in Psalm 51 oh, for you. Well, you have like 20 bookmarks in there, so it's not that big of a... Did you just put it in there this morning? Yeah. <laughs> I felt the Holy Spirit say Psalm 51. I was like, Lord, did you tell him Psalm 51? He said, mind your own business. Okay. But just so you know, he did. He did. He did. I, I think I knew that. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. 
for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the, the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, as we come into your presence, Lord, we ask that you would cleanse us. Not by our own works, Father. Not by our own thoughts and our own ways, Father. But that you would cleanse us. Fill us and have your way in us, Father. Thank you, Lord. And in this moment, Father, as we remember Jesus, we lay at his feet all that hinder, that would hinder us from the knowledge of you every anxiety and every fear, every unpaid bill, every sickness, pain, and sorrow, every care and concern in our relationships, Father. We open our hands and we loose these things into your care. We take our hands off of our own lives and we surrender it all to you, O oh Lord. that you would have the right of way in every area of our hearts and our lives. We release it to you, Lord, and we give you permission. We give you invitation. Thank you. And Father, we will do what you say. We will do what you say. We will do what you say. Speak to us, Lord, 
And we will do what you say to do in every situation, Father. So that you would be glorified. All glory and all honor would be yours. Thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you. Thank you. Bible in Luke, which is part of our reading this week. He was on the road to Emmaus with two men, and they didn't recognize who he was. And he sat down with them. And it says this, Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. That is my prayer for you guys this morning. That everything she just said, that when we take communion, it becomes more real to you than it ever has in the past. That when we take this act of faith and we take these elements, that literally the eyes of our heart will be opened this morning to know Him more, to know Him better, and to lay our lives down for Him and to trust Him and be obedient to Him. Father, we thank You for sending Your Son for this sacrifice to die on that cross for us. We take these moments to repent and to reflect, to remember, and to also rejoice. For you did not stay in that grave. But by your power you were raised. And now you're seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. The Bible says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. We had given thanks. He broke and he said, Take, eat. This is my body which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake. Guys, stand with me. We're going to continue to worship him. We're going to rejoice. We're going to sing praises to him. And I'm going to tell you something this morning. So guys, listen to me. Look up here. I've had this sense all week that God wants to do a miracle this morning. That He wants to do a miracle this morning. An honest-to-goodness miracle. And that miracle may be revealing something to you that you need to change, and that in and of itself is a miracle. But I truly believe He wants to do a miracle. And I don't know if it's a physical healing I don't know if it's a relational healing, an emotional healing. I don't know what it is, but I know he wants to do a miracle. I couldn't escape it this week. 
I kept thinking about it. I'm like, ah, that's just me. That's just me. Of course you want to see a miracle, right? Of course you want to see a miracle. But I'm telling you he wants to do a miracle this morning. So as we sing these next two songs, if you need a miracle in your life, if you need a radical turnaround in your life, if you need to break an addiction in your life, if you need healing in your life, whatever it is that you say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need a miracle in my life. Then I ask you to come to the altar as we sing these next couple songs and receive your miracle. Receive your miracle. Don't wait around. Um, We're not going to do it at the end. We're going to do it right now. So come receive your miracle and worship him and thank him and be just so grateful for who he is according to what he is going to do this morning. Amen? Let's worship him. something about posture and you know we've come a long way from praying on our knees it's a practice that has been abandoned by many Um, but more recently I have found that at home it is one of the best postures that I take that immediately ushers in his presence in a way that I can't replicate any other way outside of being with you in this place, in this way, at home, you know, I'll just take a pillow and I learned it from this guy because if you walk by our living room at like 5 a.m., what you'll see is his butt up in the air, (laughs) head on a pillow, and he's not sleeping, he's praying. And that posture, any child who walks by or anyone who comes to the room, there's no question what you're doing and there's no interruption. And you can almost sense the presence of God even as you're getting your coffee and you see him in there praying. You can, you can sense the Lord's presence. And I know enough about children to know that sometimes a child is in the right posture on the outside, but they're standing up in defiance on the inside. So, you know, there's nothing magical about a posture. However... When you get into that posture, willingly, wantingly, there's just, it just blesses the Lord in such a way. And I thought about, I thought about the the guy I dated. You know, the posture of the man you marry is different pre-wedding and then post like the second year or something. That posture of wanting to please. And then, and then it goes in the same. And I'm thinking about all these things while I'm up here. You know, I come downstairs in the morning in my sweats and I kind of give a little growl every day. It's, it's what it is. But one day I came home from work and I was sitting out on the front step and I was done up. And I was done up for one person and one person only. Someone who had a really bad day that day. And we went out and he was like, he was overwhelmed by the posture that I took that day to, to minister to him and to show him love. And his response was one of just love in return. And I just love that we came together today in this way. Um, making, making it 
intentional. An intentional physical honoring of the Lord. Amen. We open the service with accordingly. We worship him accordingly. And I think we did today. Amen. We're going to continue the rest of the service, but we did. We worshiped him according to what he has done for us. And that posture is just an act of submission to him and what he's done for us. In the reading this morning, if you're following along with us, it says, if you abide, this is in John chapter 8, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you abide in the word, if you abide in him, abide in that word. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. When we abide with Him, in His Word, in His presence, He reveals the truth to us. He reveals the truth to us. And it sets us free. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, give us some instructions. We're going to head into greeting time. Um, During that time, kids, you can head over to Kid Corner and get your sermon bag and your sermon notes. Um, If you're a guest, we have bags um, to keep your kids happy during the sermon time for toddler through sixth grade. You can head on over there. I'll be over there um, to welcome you and greet you um, and talk to you about Kid Corner. Uh, We will have offering buckets up here up front. We do not pass the offering buckets at this time. So if you have an offering that you'd like to bring, um, you can do it during the greeting time. And otherwise, enjoy one another, fellowship, encourage one another in the Lord. And give each other space if someone wants space. So ask before you hug. Yeah. Yeah? And then also we're going to continue our series on the end times. So if you need uh, one of those handouts, maybe you forgot yours today, we have some extra. I believe we'll put some up here and then also in the back. And I see Jane on that right now. So in the back or up front, you can grab one of those. All right, fellowship. All right, friends and family, let's do a couple of announcements before we get to receive the word. Ackerman children do not run in church. Fast walk. There's a difference. All right. Um, A couple of announcements this morning. Um, The Carter's Small Group is a new group um, uh, for you guys to consider. Chet and Jane are opening up their home, and the first group, Jane, you can confirm this, is this Tuesday, this Tuesday at 7 p.m. The location is in Erie. If you want more information, want the address, want to be a part of that, you can um, email the church at info at ecfchurch.org, or go ahead and give the church a phone call. Do people still do that these days? Um, I think the phone number is 833-7729. So um, go ahead and contact the church if you have more information, or talk with Jane, because she's here, and she'd be happy to talk with you after church. Um, So I encourage you to uh, join a group, and make sure you have a group. Um, Next week, on Sunday, October 11th, we have Brian Lusky. Lusky? Lusky coming to share with us. He and his family are missionaries to Japan. And Japan is one of the most unreached nations in the world. And you don't think that because they're so technologically advanced, but they are 
like largely unreached. Um, And so we support them as a church. We, oh, it says it right there. Japan is the second largest unreached people group globally. I didn't see that. Um, We support them as a church and uh, we support them monthly so that their family can make the big move to Japan. Um, So Brian is going to come and share with us next week. And he has been such a blessing to Jason and I personally. Um, He's just such an encourager. He is a speaker of wisdom and he's a big personality, and um, we just always leave energized and encouraged and feeling very blessed when we spend time with him. So I encourage you to come and meet him, uh, hear from him, um, and know who we're supporting as a church. So I'm excited for that next Sunday. Um, Last, we have voter guides. We had these last week. We have them this week. Um, It is put out by the family council. It's like answers to a certain set of questions and Local elections are represented here. State elections and national elections um, are represented here. And it is a impartial, bipartisan type thing. They ask the same questions to all the candidates and just simply give you the information. So those are available, I believe, on the back table. So I encourage you um, to get those and to pray and to vote. Um, So that's important. Uh, lastly, if you're a first-time guest, we welcome you. Um, it's our pleasure to worship the Lord with you this morning. Um, if you want any information or to let us know who you are and kind of get in contact, um, you can send an email to info at ecfchurch.org. Prayer requests, praise reports, and testimonies we love to get at prayer at ecfchurch.org. And that is all I have this morning. All right. Okay, I want to, before we get into the Word, I want to just pray over uh, the tithes and the offerings uh, this morning. And I just want to read a quick scripture um, out of Luke 24. And uh, before I say a couple things, so the voter guys, uh, that's awesome. I'm so glad that uh, those are out there. It's so important that we vote. Um, and it seems like more than ever, the importance seems to raise day by day. Um, and then, of course, I want to remind you guys of our little challenge we're having a little challenge, like with your families. Uh, if you guys have, I've been saying this week after week. So, because of the election, <clears throat> if you say any of the following words, what happens is if another family member catches you saying one of these words, you have to recite a scripture or a biblical promise back to that person. And it's this deal where you have to kind of hold yourselves accountable. Uh, and the words are this it is mask, COVID, Trump, Biden, or election. So most of you are in trouble because you all are using one of those words quite often every single day. And so our hope and our goal is that you are speaking the scripture that many times, you know, each and every day we say it. So since I said it four times, I'm going to give you a couple promises of God. Amen. Are you guys ready? Psalm 145, 9, the Lord is good to all and he has compassion on all he has made. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. For, for the Lord is good, his love endures forever, his faithfulness continues through all generations. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. That's four. How many do I need to do? One more? Want me to do one more? Okay. Sovereign Lord, you are God. Your covenant is trustworthy, and you have promised these good things to your servant. Amen? Amen. So here's what I've also found, is that as you're reciting verses and promises of God, it begins to reveal something a little bit about yourself. Begins to reveal something about yourself. And it's it's not necessarily good or bad, it's just interesting that when you begin to speak, what's that? Yeah, it's personal. What are the verses 
What are the promises of God that bubble up? And what we have found personally that these promises that Liz will say are very different than the promises that I will say. And hers are very much about the grace of God, about his forgiveness, his goodness, and mine are on the, on the miracle side, conqueror, right, healing, all these other things. So it's interesting that you, as you're doing this, just be reflective and think, what are the things that bubble up when I begin to say this? And I will say this, is I got my kids this week. Hey, see, two can play this game. So my kids have been messing with me ever since I started doing this because they're listening. So they try to get me, oh, Dad, I can't read that yard sign over there. What does it say? Uh, and then I'll just say, well, that says this. And so, all right, Dad, you got to say a scripture. Well, yesterday I got them, and I got Ruby and those in that room. So they're like, hey, Dad, there was a commercial on. And it was about the, you know what? I'm like, oh, okay. They're trying to get me to say it, right? And I get them back on this. They're like, yeah, there was, you know, there was this guy that was on there, and you know, he was saying all these things and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, oh, that's really. I was like, babe, there's a lot of different commercials on. I was like, who, who was it on the commercial? And they're like, oh, it was Biden. I was like, got you. Say it right now. Give me a promise. And Ruby was like, you know what, Dad? God's not going to flood the world anymore. And she kind of put her hand on her hip like this. Mm. She kind of looked at me like this. I was like, girl, I was like, all right. I was like, that is a good promise of God. That's right. That's why we have rainbows. Amen? Amen. Okay. Here's a scripture reading. All that. I don't know where I was going with all that. Luke 24. It's a challenge. You've got to hold yourselves accountable in your houses. Luke 24, starting in verse 44. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me, verse 45. And he opened their understanding. Hallelujah. He opens our understanding. What? That they might comprehend the scriptures. Verse 46 then says this, and then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached, should be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And then he says this, he commissions up, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until what? Until you are endued with power from on high. Do you know, church, we are endued with power from on high to preach the gospel message, to take the hope of Jesus Christ to this world. Wherever you are, whatever you do, wherever your workplace is, your school, no matter where it is, you are endowed with power to be able to go do that. And that is why we give, that is why we come together, is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And that's why we give, that's why we tithe, because we want to see God's kingdom expanded. Amen? We want to see his kingdom, his zip code, his county, his state, his country, his kingdom expand. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Father, for every gift, every giver today. We thank you, Lord, that it is your heart to see the lost saved. It is your heart to see the sick healed. It is your heart to see lives transformed. It is your heart to see families thriving. And so, Father, as we 
steward the gifts that are given, Lord. I just pray that you lead and guide us as a leadership team to continue to use that money wisely for the expansion of your kingdom. We pray these things in your name, Lord. And Father, we just lift up this message to you. This is your message, Lord. Let it be coming directly from you through your Holy Spirit, through my lips. Father, I just pray that every ear will be attuned, every eye will be opened, Lord. That people will leave change today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. We've got some testimonies. I got, we had three salvations last week. Amen? Three salvations last week. Give the Lord a hand. One, of course, was Noelle Bells. Uh, Noelle, that's one of our daughters. She came up here. And then we had a young man, Mr. Max there, young man, uh, down in front. It was after church. Then we had another uh, young lady come up at the end of service as well. So you know what? God is moving. God is working. He wants to see the lost saved even more so. I mean, it, I can't say it's more so than ever. I mean, he's always wanted that. That's always been his heart. But we're gonna, I truly believe we're going to see more and more and more of that. More and more and more of that. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Okay, pull out your timelines. If you have your timeline, you've been taking notes on it, that's good. Uh, hopefully you're bringing it back and looking at it. Just a reminder on the back of the timeline has many of the scriptures that correspond with it. We've started this series a couple weeks back, and I think I've told you many a times I've been working from the right side of the paper to the left. We've been working from the right to the left, starting with eternity, starting with hope, starting with the millennial reign of Christ, and working our way uh, to the current day. Well, today I want to give a quick summary from the left to the right, because this morning we're going to talk about Daniel's 70th week, we're going to talk about the tribulation and the great tribulation, we're going to give you kind of an overview of what that is, what that looks like, what some of the seals are, just at a high level, and then as I've been doing every week, I just want to end with a message of hope, of who he is, his goodness, and what he really wants to see happen with his church and his body and the people of this amazing, amazing planet. Okay, so we're going to work from the left to the right this morning. So the very first thing you see on number one is that the Antichrist rises. And there's been a lot of talk, uh, a lot of things in the media, a lot of things going on about the president of Turkey, uh, uh, Erdogan is his last name, and there's been a lot of discussion about is, this, is he the Antichrist? Is he the one that's rising? Because he is openly beginning to proclaim and say that he wants to see the caliphate to rise again, which is the Islamic State, which was similar to the Ottoman Empire. He wants to see a consolidation of all of these countries coming together in a global superpower promoting Islam to the world. And you say, is, is he the answer? I don't know. I can't answer that. I think time will tell. And what we'll see here this morning as we begin to look at some of these biblical prophecies as this thing plays out, we'll begin to see what that looks like. The next thing we begin to ask are, have we started Daniel's 70th week? So what is Daniel's 70th week? Well, Daniel had a dream, and he documented that dream. It's in the Old Testament for us to read and go through. And it was a 70 weeks, each of them, each week representing seven years. And we can see from that that Daniel, 69 of those 70 weeks have been completed. We are now in what we call the church age or the age of the church, waiting for Daniel's 70th week, that last week to begin, which would be the final seven years before Jesus comes back and returns. 
okay, before Armageddon basically happens, and then we start talking about the rest of the timeline that we have. And so you can see during this Daniel 70th week on your chart here, a lot of things begin to happen. Seals begin to open. The Antichrist uh, dies and then is resurrected. And then there's the abomina- abomination of desolation of the actual temple. And we're going to talk about these things. And then there's the persecution of the church, which begins to happen. And then we get to the rapture, which we talked about last week, that I, I believe in a pre-wrath rapture, not a pre-trib. I, I blew some of your minds with the Left Behind series. Messed with you guys a little bit. Um, and we talked about it being pre-wrath, and there being four different rapture theologies uh, that are really out there. There's actually some millennial f- f- philosophy out there. We talked about all of those different things. So if you're interested in learning more about that, you can go back and look at that or listen to that from last week. And then we talked about in previous weeks the day of the Lord and what the trumpet judgments were and the bowl judgments and then the battle of Armageddon and then the thousand year reign and then eternity. So what I want to focus on this morning is here is in Daniel's 70th week. And I think for a lot of us, we struggle I struggle, many of us struggle, that God would do something like this. How could God allow these seals to open? How could God allow these trumpets to be blown? How could God allow these bowls to be poured out of his wrath on this earth? And I want to show you something this morning that I am working through, that I am working on to try to figure out in my own, you know I mean, in our own carnal minds in our own flesh, what does this look like? And how can we say he is a good God? And we have all these scriptures that say this. He's a good God, a just God, a merciful God. But yet there's these judgments that are going to be poured out. And I want to show you something. Turn with me to 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3. Because what is God's ultimate will? That none should perish without knowing him, Right? That's his ultimate will, is that none shall perish without knowing him. And I think as parents, a lot of us know that sometimes some discipline and some correction and some things that end up we have to go do begins to really mold and shape our children and gets our attention. And I'll tell you what, church, God is trying to get our attention. He is trying to get our attention. Now, he's got my attention. He's got the attention of this church. But there are things that are being allowed to happen. You say, the church is, we have all risen up. We have all said, COVID be done. Die in Jesus' name. Well, it's still here. Well, there's a point in time where God's plan of ultimate redemption, the plan of his Bible, will begin to fulfill itself no matter what we end up saying or praying. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have authority in our own lives and we can take authority over things and God will supernaturally protect us. But this story in this Bible is going to happen. It's going to progress. So let's look at 2 Peter 3. Beloved, starting in verse 1. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by the way of a reminder. Verse 2. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Verse 3, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. Scoffers will come in the last days. Walking according to their own lusts. 
and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Verse 5. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water. Verse 6. By which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Go Ruby. I don't know you knew I was going to be preaching on that a little bit. Verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, hallelujah, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So this is, this is Peter, he's talking, is, all of this is leading up to what he wants to really show us, what he wants to talk about. He's saying that there is scoffers are going to come. There is fire that's going to come. There are issues, there are challenges, and there are all these things are going to happen. But verse 8 says this, but, you know, there are so many buts in the Bible. And I'm talking about this, you know what I'm talking about here. There are so many buts in the Bible that are so strategically placed. But, beloved, do not forget, do not forget this one thing, that the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. It's actually saying that he is long-suffering towards us. If he wanted all this to be over, it would be over. But he's long-suffering, and he's patient, and these, mer- and these judgments that come out are not say, the most merciful thing sometimes that God can do is allow judgment to happen. And it's just like, how do I wrap my head around that? Why would God allow this judgment to happen? Because look at this verse right here. Because he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, his ultimate heart, God's ultimate goal, is that as many as possible that are predestined, or however you want to believe in free will, whichever one you ascribe to, that they come to know him before the end. He knows which hearts will be softened. He knows which hearts are going to remain hardened. That is up to him to judge, for him to do. But for us, we have to see the things that are happening in this world and say, you know what? We need to go be the church. We need to go preach the gospel. We need to go let people know that we saw this coming because he showed it to us. Because his ultimate will is that none shall perish. And so you begin to see these judgments that happen. You say, well, why does that happen? Do you not think that these judgments are arresting the attention of the unbeliever? Come on, guys. There are people scrambling. They are searching for answers. They are searching for hope. They are struggling. They are depressed. The amount of drug usage right now is going to an all-time high. They said that 30% or more people are drinking alcohol now. More and more things. They're looking for something. We have it. We have it. We have the answer. We have the hope. It's Jesus Christ. And so these things that are beginning to happen is nothing more than an opportunity for the church to rise up and to take its place. And you see these judgments that begin to happen and we begin to see played out. 
There are times where we can't just pray all the judgments away because the way God has this laid out is he wants all to come to know him, as many as possible before the end. Because if he just came and flooded the earth again, if he came and just flooded the earth, we'd have to be, it's over. No more chances. How often are you going to be preaching the gospel while you're drowning? You can't. Right? Doesn't work. He's giving us an opportunity. He's giving people an opportunity. That is his mercy. That is his mercy. These judgments that are coming are actually his mercy so that more and more people will enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you see that? Like this is hard to, it's hard to like wrap around and comprehend. I think for a lot of us because we just go around saying God is good, God is good, God is good. Well, he is good. This doesn't negate his goodness. It's evidence of his goodness and his mercy. And so if we could just begin to understand that these seals and these trumpets and these bowls are nothing more but to get people to come to know him and to arrest their attention, we begin to see them in a different light. Because at the same time, we stand on the promises of God that he's going to take us through these things. He is going to walk us through these things by his Holy Spirit. So we have nothing to be afraid of. We have nothing to fear. All we can do is look at this as an opportunity for us to say, oh my gosh, a judgment. I knew that that was coming because the Bible said it. So let me go share with somebody else about this. Because guys, I'm telling you, the time is not long. I mean, I'm not giving you a time frame. I promise I wouldn't give you a time frame or pick a date. But guys, based on, and I'm going to talk about this a little, based on the things that are currently happening in current events, literally today, that's happening, the biblical prophecies are becoming more and more that they're going to start playing out in these last seven years. Now, I don't believe that we're there yet. What I'm saying is that the time is near. And that these judgments that come out are because he doesn't want anyone to perish without knowing him. Amen? Amen. Okay, so I'm going to give you a list of things. And, you know, I thank Andy, um, who sell a lot. Andy has helped me tremendously with some of this stuff as well. Uh, the good thing is, is he and I are on the same theological uh, belief and so, but he has given me some great information, articles, and things to read. Uh, so I thank him for that publicly. Uh, but here's what I want to say. I'm going to walk through the seven seals in just a minute so you can begin to see what those look like. Uh, then we'll look a little bit about current events, and then I'm just going to give you some hope. I'm going to start preaching at you about some hope out of Luke, okay? All right, so here's some things that the tribulation is and will do. If you're taking notes, you can write some of these things down. These are just some things that the tribulation, five of them, and they overlap a little bit, that the tribulation either is doing, if we're actually in it, but I don't believe that we are, or will do. Number one, it is time for God to gather Israel back to himself. This is just an indication of the covenants that he made with his forefathers. You can read about that in Daniel 4. That he made to David, he made to the forefathers. But the first thing that this tribulation we're going to do is, is a time for God to gather Israel back to himself. And that is why in these last days, these end times, most of the big major geopolitical events are going to happen around the Middle East. It's just that's where Israel is, guys. That's what's going to happen. That is where, I mean, if you want to watch the news at all and know what's going on, you probably shouldn't use any news channel that currently is available to you on your cable spectrum or satellite TV options. We need to see what's actually going on in the Middle East, in Israel. 
in Turkey, in Egypt, in Saudi Arabia, because it all begins to come together. Number two is to purify the church and to make it glorious. Guys, we've said before, there's been prophetic words about a shaking, a sifting of the church itself, not just of America, not just of of all people, but is actual sifting of the church. He's looking to purify the church. Number three, it is a time that will be made clear who are his and who are not. This time of the tribulation... This last seven years is going to be a real clear marker and indicator who is running to him and who's running away from him. And I believe the times that we're in right now before we get to this is what we've called a dress rehearsal. You know when a dress rehearsal happens? Usually like the night before it all goes down. And what happens in a dress rehearsal is you get the costume on You practice the steps, you practice the song, you see how you react, you say, oh, well, that didn't work out very well. Oh, my gosh, I forgot that line, I didn't do this right. Well, this dress rehearsal, church, I believe we're in it now. I believe we're in a dress rehearsal, which means as things come up, you need to be reflective in your own heart as how am I responding to the situation around me? How am I responding when the grocery store runs out of toilet paper again? How am I going to respond when I can only get one peanut butter and I've got a family of 10 who likes peanut butter? That's my own personal struggle. I don't know if you, if you didn't catch that one. Like it's a staple of our diet. We've got 10 people and they're like limit one. What? what I, how am I going to react? Lord, you will provide all the peanut butter that I need in Jesus' name. Why do you think that I want you to be saying the promises of God and speaking the scriptures out? Because it's a dress rehearsal. We are at a place where every time you say those words, that I, every time you say them, you need to speak those promises. Because when it is happening and the rubber does hit the road, how are you going to respond? How are you going to react? In fear? In anxiety? Or in peace? And in faith? Standing on the promises of who he is and what he's done. Number four is a time for him to draw men and women to himself. That's what we were talking about. This is, this, what, what he's doing, the judgments that will get poured out are his mercy because he doesn't want anybody to perish. He doesn't want anybody here to perish without knowing him. And if you're here this morning and don't know him, or you're here this morning and you walked away from him, you need to decide this morning that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to come back to him. Amen? And the last one, number five, it's his time to judge the world. Plain and simple, guys. These things that happen, these things that you'll see and we're going to talk about here, is God's judgment on this world. I wasn't going to say a couple of these things, but I feel compelled to say it. I just listened to a message or part of a message by David Wilkerson. You guys can, I mean, I don't know if you guys know much about him. He wrote The Cross and the Switchblade. Uh, I mean, he wrote it, but he actually did it, okay? I mean, it was like his life starting that ministry in New York City uh, going. But he said something very interesting. Is as you read through the Bible, the one thing that God doesn't allow to happen without judgment is the shedding of innocent blood. 
Guys, that is sobering. That the shedding of innocent blood, that God himself says, I, will have, I have to, because of who he is, pour out judgment because of that. And I'll tell you what, I love this country. But I can tell you something, that the shedding of blood of 61 million babies is not something that God is just going to overlook and turn away from because the church got together and tried to pray and repent for it. And it's unfortunate, but if you look at this timeline, that the United States of America is not available to rise to Israel's defense in those last days. That is a sobering reality of this timeline. And when I came across it, I mean, I wanted to cry. Because what does that mean for America? What does that mean for our country? I don't know. I don't know if we're still strong, but we've just decided as a nation because we walk so far away from God that we're not going to come to Israel's defense? Or are we not actually physically able to come to Israel's defense in the last days? Both options suck. They both suck. Neither of them are good. But what I do believe that in these last days, he is rising up a glorious church. Globally, not just here in America, but globally, a church that will navigate and walk through and see a great revival, a great revival of souls in the last days. Because what is his will that none shall perish? Man, preacher, bad news here this morning. (laughs) The seven seals, let's look at them just real quick. Then I want to get into, I want to leave you with hope, amen? You can read through Revelation 6, it talks through, uh, beginning to talk through a lot, of the, a lot of the seals that could open. The first thing we have to remember, that only Jesus is worthy to open the scrolls, amen? Only Jesus is worthy to do it. And I think I've talked last week about the parallels. There's so many amazing parallels between uh, the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24 and the book of Revelation. It's just amazing how these come together. But the first seal is a white horse. And you can see here uh, on number four, it says the seals one through, actually it says one through three here that are happening before the midpoint of the tribulation. It talks about false prophets, wars, famines, earthquakes, plagues, terrifying sights from heaven. Well, the first seal is actually a horse with a rider carrying a bow and conquering. It is the ultimate false Christ. It's the coming Antichrist starts to rise and goes about conquering. And I believe that's why I told you earlier, uh, the president of Turkey seems to be making those not only public statements, but physically doing it and creating alignments that way. Again, I'm not saying he's the Antichrist, I have no idea uh, at this moment. But I believe that as biblical prophecy plays out, we will know who the Antichrist is because he will be killed and he will, re- he will actually rise from the dead. He will have Satan indwelling on the inside of him and he will begin to persecute Christians halfway through this tribulation. These seven years at the three and a half marker, three and a half year marker. And I believe then it's one of those things like, I don't know when to set my calendar, right? We all have like Google Calendar or Outlook calendars. Like when, when do I start? When do I put my three and a half years in so I know when this is all going to end? I believe there's clear things that we can see at the midpoint that would begin to happen. And one of those major things is this abomination of desolation of the temple. 
But we have to see those first seals begin to happen first. The second seal is a red horse, takes peace from the earth, and people begin to kill each other. I mean, a lot of these things it feels like are already occurring, already happening, okay? The third seal is a black horse whose rider is carrying a balance or a scale, which is referencing economic collapse that happens as well as a famine. This is the proverbial, you know, a loaf of bread costs a day's wages. People have heard that statement. Uh, what comes out of the Bible, it says a quart of wheat costs a day's wages, but okay. And the fourth seal is a pale horse. I believe, I think Andy, we talked about this, I think it actually looks more like it's green based on the translation. But the rider on it is called Death and Hell Follows Him. He has power over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. So these first three to four seals, I don't know where the fourth one happens as far as if it's in the exact midpoint or not. But the fifth seal is important. The fifth seal are the saints crying out at the throne for God to avenge the blood, their blood. And God tells them to rest and wait just a little bit longer till the full number of their brothers lay down their lives. And then the greatest persecution and martyrdom is beginning to take place on the earth at that time. And then the sixth seal, when this takes place, it's going to be in the second half of the tribulation here. This will be the beginning of the day of the Lord, where all men of every type want to hide because of things that are happening and the wrath that is coming. And then the seventh seal, you can see I'm walking through kind of the seven years, the seventh seal is where we see what it looks like when the rapture has happened. Now we begin to see, you can see how the rapture takes place. You can see that Revelation talks about you seeing the people in heaven and how they're clothed. And we talked about that in previous weeks. How the 144K thousand people are sealed and what that begins to look like. And again, the scriptures are on the back. You can go look at those. So my big question for today is has that first seal been opened? <laughs> I don't know. I can't answer that. I don't believe so. But I believe that many things are beginning to align themselves for that to begin to happen. You say, well, Pastor Jason, what are you talking about? How do, I, how do we know that these things are beginning to get ready? Well, here's a couple things. You can jot them down. You can think about them or just listen to them. The first thing that had to happen was the rebirth of the state of Israel. That happened in 1948. If that didn't happen, then all the talk about this end of the times before that really actually couldn't happen or wouldn't make a whole lot of biblical sense. Number two, there has to be a terrible state of humanity in the last days. Oh, okay, those first two are happening. <laughs> Number three, there's a beginning of foreshadow and the beginning of sorrows. These times of a dress rehearsal, it does seem like that's happening. Number four is there has to be a temple that gets rebuilt. And I can tell you that if you look on very many websites, they've got all the plans ready to rebuild that temple. The plans are ready, and they're ready, and they're in place, waiting for the right geopolitical thing to happen for the temple to be rebuilt. Number five is a rise of Islam. 
and the reestablishment of the Ottoman Empire. That's what I was previously talking about. Alignments happening country after country. And we know the Bible says it'll be ten of them, actually, that come together and come against Israel. I mean, they're openly saying they're against, I mean, they're openly saying they want to see another holocaust of the people of Israel. This is actually happening. I know we're distracted by COVID. Oh, let me get you a good verse here, sorry. <clears throat> I had to bring some light to it, anything. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You need some wisdom in this situation? Ask him and he'll give it to you abundantly, amen? Without reproach. Okay, but we're all distracted by all these other things that are happening. I believe it's just part of the enemy's plan to distract us. And to really to uh, disunify us, What's, or divide us. Divide the church, divide parties, divide everything. The enemy wants everything divided and us totally distracted fighting each other. When the things that are happening, the real things that are happening in the spiritual realm, the, the stuff in the spiritual realm that are actually happening is not even the stuff that we're seeing on the news. Amen? We understand that? The true things that are happening are in the spiritual realm. And the true battle is against fear and against the enemy and all these other things. But we don't, you know, it's not what the news is reporting. That's what the church should be reporting. Amen? Okay. Uh, number six. Did I give you number five, the rise of Islam? Number six is the rise of the king of the north. The Bible talks about, I believe that's beginning to take shape. That is what, uh, where the Antichrist will come out of, is north of Israel. Yes, Turkey is north of Israel for those who are doing their, uh, no, understand the maps, yeah. Number seven that's happening we see is the Abraham Accords. The Bible talks about Israel coming to peace with a lot of different nations prior to all of this playing out. You know that they've signed peace agreements with the UAB, United Arab Emirates. They've had peace agreements with uh, Egypt. I believe there's another peace agreement that was part of the Abraham Accords as well. So there's beginning nations that are coming to peace with Israel. So that has to happen, which is kind of happening. And then there's always talk. The Bible talks about talk about earthquakes, eclipses, asteroids, all these things that you know, could come or would come. I mean, if you watch the news a little bit, some of that stuff begins to talk out. So, Pastor Jason, you didn't tell us, is the first seal open or not? I don't believe that it has. But I believe, again, as a, as a watchman, as they call it, as a warning sign, that we need to be ready as a church. And as I'm done preaching on end times, I'm going to start talking about Erie Christian Fellowship Church in the last days. And if, if, guys, if this is what we believe is happening, then shouldn't we be responding and reacting in a certain way, both personally and as a church, right? If, if we believe that we need to make changes, we can't, you know, what is, uh, what's the word for insanity? What's the definition of insanity? Yeah, doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. That's insanity. We can't be insane in these last times. We have to be the sane ones, which means we need to be able to look and reflect and say, these are the changes that I need to make personally. These are the changes that the church needs to make in order to begin to prepare itself for the times that are ahead. Why do I keep talking about being debt free? Because in these days that are coming, I don't want debt hanging around our neck like a noose. Because we won't be able to have the same amount of freedom to be able to do what I believe that we need to do. Okay, thank you, Pastor Jason, for all that encouraging, uplifting news. Go to Luke 21. Come on, I'll end you with some happiness here. 
Although, guess what, guys? My goal is not to make you happy. My goal is not to make you comfortable. My goal is to make you aware of the things that are happening, that are occurring, and encourage you to get ready, to be ready. And all these messages have ended with some action items for you guys and me personally is to be ready, to get ready, to be prepared, to know how to discern a prophetic word that comes your way because you can't open up YouTube. If you watch one prophetic word on YouTube and you're logged in under your account, a million prophetic words come up on YouTube and you don't know which ones to believe. Is it all over in November? 50% of the people out there say it's going to be. I don't personally believe that it's going to be. Do I think November's going to be great? No. No, actually I don't. I should start talking about some good news. Okay, Uh, Luke 21. Luke 21. I'll start with some more bad news and then we'll get to the good news. Okay, and so they asked him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be? Yay, right? Here we are. Like, can somebody tell us when all of this is going to be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And he said, take heed that you not be deceived. Don't be deceived. Study the word of God. Read the word of God. Understand the word of God. Don't just listen to me. Study it out for yourself. Don't be deceived. Understand what the Lord is saying. For many will come in my name saying, I am he. And the time is drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, look at this, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid. These seals that I wrote out, we do not have to be afraid of these things. We do not have to walk in fear because we see that they might be coming. The Bible says over and over, God encourages us, don't be afraid. Do not fear. I am with you, says the Lord. Do not fear. Do not fear. I believe it says over 300 and some times. Do not be terrified. For these things must come to pass first. What we opened up with. But the end will not come immediately. More bad news. That's why we believe personally in the pre-wrath rapture. Because we will have to go through some things, but we won't go through God's Ultimate wrath and judgment, which is the trumpets and the bowls. Again, last week we talked about uh, the rapture. You can go listen to that. But he said to them, nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilence. There will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Verse 12. We got another but. Verse 12. But... Before all these things, they will lay hands on you. Oh my gosh, it's not a good one. And persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. Again, these are the judgments that we see happening in the second half um, of this last week of Daniel. You'll be brought before kings and rulers for my namesake. You're like, well, that's one of the worst butts in the Bible I've ever seen. I thought this was going to get good. But guess what? He never leaves us, never forsakes us. Look at verse 13. But, but it will turn out for you. Look at me. It will turn out for you. As an occasion for what? 
testimony. Are you kidding? So all this stuff that's going to happen, all these things God is saying, don't be afraid. And not only don't be afraid, I'm spitting now, sorry. Not only don't be afraid, this is why no one is allowed to sit right up here, okay? It's not very good at this point in time. So don't only not be afraid of these things, but I will lead you in a testimony. I will work things out for your good, and I will give you a testimony. What does the Bible say that we have overcome by what? The blood of the Lamb, what Jesus did, and the word of our testimony. We're going to overcome these things. We're going to be able to supernaturally walk through these things. Best, Jason, you say nothing bad's going to happen to me. No. But what I'm saying is God will see us through it. He will take us through it. And we will actually have a testimony on the other side of it that we can continue to share with others so that what? So that none shall perish without knowing him. Back to what we said in the beginning. It will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Revelations 12, 11, which we just quoted, says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And we stop there. But we don't like to read the second part of that verse. I don't have it up, but it's Revelation 12, 11. And they did not love their lives to the death. Church, we're going to go through perilous times, but we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to hide. We don't have to love our lives unto death. We just have to say, you know what, Lord? I'm willing to be obedient and to do what you've asked me to go do. There's a time in your life where you need to be led by the Holy Spirit more so than ever. When he says, turn, you turn. He says, go right, you go right. When he says, stop doing that, then you stop doing that. It is now. It is now. And honestly, can I, I just be honest with you? I feel like the margin of error that is allowable to us is getting smaller and smaller. You understand what I mean by the margin of error? Like you just go happy skipping through your life, completely distracted, not reading the word of God, not praying, not worshiping, and then wondering why you got blindsided by something that came out of nowhere. It didn't come out of nowhere. God was trying to get your attention. God was trying to speak to us, but we get so distracted by life and by news and by our jobs and by everything else that we're not attuned to the voice of the Spirit. And in these times, I'm telling you, I feel like our margin of error seems to be getting smaller and smaller. Now, those who are baby Christians or new Christians, praise God, we have three salvations. He is gracious and merciful. He's going to take care of them supernaturally. But those who have been walking with God... 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. This is no time to mess around anymore. No time to mess around. I'm preaching to myself. No time to mess around. Verse 14. Therefore, settle it in your hearts. Do not meditate beforehand on what you will answer. Listen to this. So get it settled in your heart. You don't have to worry. You don't have to write a response to every question that you might get and have it in your back pocket. This is something that I would want to go do. Right? I'm a preparer. So I'm like, well, man, if I'm going to get persecuted in these last times, if they say this, then I want to be able to say this. If they say this, I want to be able to do this. What if someone breaks my heart, I'm going to do this. Blah, 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 blah. No, what the Bible is saying is we don't have to worry about. For what? Verse 15. For I will give you 
a mouth and wisdom which all of your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Amen, church. This is good news. When you're walking with him and you are listening to him and abiding with him and reading his word, he will give you every word that you need to say. He will tell you every direction you need to turn and that your adversaries will not be able to contradict or even resist you. Come on, church. That's good news. Even though the times might be difficult, he is with us and he is for us. Verse 16, you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends. But they will put some of you to death. Verse 17. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Verse 18. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience possesses your soul. Worship team, you want to come back up or the keyboardist? I'm going to give you my definition, my commentary on verse 18 or verse 19. He's promising... Not that we don't lose any hairs on our head in the physical realm, but he's promising here to us that when it's all said and done, we will be with him for all of eternity. And everything will be restored. Everything will be made new. Everything will be whole again. Everything that you lost will come back to you. Every, everything that I lost. Yeah, adjust the lighting. Can you see that? You can see it because of the spotlights right on it, right? Who, who designed that, right? I mean, you need to have the lights coming from, you know, below, you know. Every hair, everything he makes new, everything he restores. By your patience possesses your souls. What does that mean? This word patience here means endurance, steadfastness. Cheerful endurance is what it actually means. Meaning, can we walk cheerfully with endurance through the things that are before us? This possess, what does this mean? It means to acquire, to win, to purchase, to have mastery over. You mean to tell me, Pastor, that even if these things are happening, I can walk with cheerful endurance and mastery over the things that are going to happen? Yes, because he is for us. And he is not against us. And so my summary is this. Like if I wrote a commentary, which I do not plan to do, that's not what God has called me to do. It would say this. To patiently rely and lean on the Lord in these times. And the Holy Spirit will bring the joy, cheerful endurance, and supernatural strength to overcome our fleshly urges and to stand firm day in and day out, no matter the circumstance, for the victory is His. For the victory is His. Amen? Thank you, Lord. I want to close with this. I'm going to skip down to verse 33. I want to leave you with this. It says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Church, His words, His promises, 
Don't become null and void in the last days. We can equally and even more so stand on these promises. When I think last week I said, when the proverbial you-know-what hits the fan, when the rubber hits the road, whatever uh, analogy or thing you want to go use, it is time to stand on these promises. It is time to say, I will fear not. I will not be dismayed, for God is with me. It is time for me to say that he has commanded me to be of strong and of good courage and not to be afraid, not to be dismayed, for he is with me wherever I go. He has commanded me to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto me. He has told me that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of us. And he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I need to be standing on the fact that we know that in all things we'll work together for good for those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. We need to say out loud, if God is for us, then who can be against us? We need to say, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Praise God for his word. I looked up promise after promise after promise this week. I encourage you to do the same. That's your homework this week. We're back in school, whatever. You got homework. Find promises that you can stand on. Find promises that you can write down and literally carry around with you. Walk around with them. These are Bible promises about God's goodness. Promises about Him being with us. Promises about His provision for us. Amazing things that Jesus promised is over here. Promises about everything that He has planned for us. Because He is good. And He is faithful. Promises of God. Verse 34 says this, Take heed to yourselves. Lest your hearts be weighed down. Take heed. Lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come on you unexpectedly. Do not, do not let it come unexpectedly. Verse 35. For it will come as a snare to all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Just bow your heads this morning. Church, I believe it's time to take heed tells us don't dwell on the day but take heed to me means to hold ourselves to pay attention to the word to pay attention to his Holy Spirit that verse told us to watch to keep awake to watch for the signs to not be distracted and that verse told us to pray always 
a state of constant communion with God. Take heed, watch, and pray so that we may be counted worthy, which means that we may have His strength because with Him, all of this is impossible. Without Him, all of this is impossible. But with Him, all things are possible. So if you're here this morning and you say this message feels like it was talking to me, I've been walking in fear. I've been walking in unbelief. I've walked away from my first love. I am lukewarm. And I don't want to be spit out in these last days. If that's you, just slip your hand up. I want to pray with you. No one's looking around. I'm not going to call you up here this morning. The time's late. Just throw your hand up and say, you know what? I just need someone to pray with me this morning. Okay, I see your hand. Who else? Come on. Who else? I just want to pray over you and speak life. Thank you, I see your hand. Heavenly Father, we just see the hands that were raised. For those who are watching online, you see their hands that are raised. Father, I just thank you that you give us the strength to take heed. That you give us the strength to watch. That you give us the strength to pray continuously. Father, each and every one of us this morning are turning to you. Turning away from the things of this world and turning to you. Father, strengthen us. Remind us of your promises. Father, help us to take the actions we need to take and be led by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Look up here to me, guys. We're going to have some prayer teams up here. If you need prayer for something, anything at all, they'll be able to pray with you. I want to read this benediction over you. I've been doing, for the most part, the same benediction out of Philippians 4. I'm going to read this over, over you and let you guys go with this being our call to action. I made you, you got to look up promises. Yes, you gave, I gave you some homework. Told you to take heed, to watch, to pray continuously. If you just remember one of the things I've asked you to go do, even just one, that would be great. But you can't come here on a Sunday morning and want your life to be transformed and then leave here and change nothing. We already decided that that was insanity. So don't do it. Stop being insane. Be of a sane mind and say, you know what? There are things in my life, no matter how long my Christian walk has been, that I need to change. And I need to adjust in my life. Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Church, be anxious for nothing. Be anx- Don't be anxious for, for anything. The seals. The rise of the Antichrist. Ah! We don't have to be anxious about it. 
But in everything, with prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what happens, church? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Amen? Amen. Peace be with you. Go with joy and happiness in steadfast knowing he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Amen? Amen. You guys are dismissed. Come up and get prayer for anything that you might need.